The passage that we're looking at this morning is Luke 18, verses 1 to 8. So if you have your Bibles, if you'd like to turn and we'll look at that together, or you can read it off the screens if you so wish. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Let the one who walks in the dark, the one who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. May it be so this morning we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Then if you heard the joke about the little boy that was kneeling doing his bedtime prayers with his mum and his grandmother, and he was softly saying his prayers, uh, and he was praying, dear God, please bless mummy and daddy and all the family, and please give me a good night's sleep. And then suddenly he looked up and shouted, and don't forget to give me a bicycle for my birthday. <laughs> There's no need to shout like that, said his mum. God isn't deaf. No, said the little boy, but grandma is. <laughs> well, whatever your view of prayer is, uh, today we're thinking about keeping our nerve in praying. Whether you'd be somebody that you'd say you're a nervous prayer or you used to pray and it's kind of gone in the past now or you're praying for something but to be honest your confidence in praying is gone or to be honest at the moment you're desperate and you've got no words now. This morning we're thinking about keeping our nerve and for some of us, this will be about having the nerve to start praying, to begin to sort of talk with God, whatever our understanding of God is at this stage. And maybe this morning we'll see that prayer is the greatest gift on offer to us. But for others of us, this is about the nerve to keep on praying. We have prayed long for decades, some of us, for things. We have wept. We have seen night after night where we've been awake worrying. And for some of us, it's about keeping the nerve to keep on praying. It's an act of endurance. And as I was preparing for this, I was looking up endurance feats. What are the greatest endurance feats? And I discovered what is held to be one of the most uh, greatest endurance feats for humans. Did you know that a few years ago, three men ran 4,000 miles across the Sahara Desert in 111 days. That is running two marathons every day for a third of a year 
in temperatures of up to 50 degrees Celsius and below freezing at night, day after day after day. Their typical day was up at 4 a.m., running until lunch, eating and running until 9.30, then going to sleep. And you're doing that every day for a third of a year. Bonkers. <laughs> but one thing they had is endurance. They had something that was way beyond their physical strength to keep on going. Well, I think this passage this morning that we've had read to us is about enduring, keeping on going in prayer. And there's three components to it that I think are really helpful for us to help us keep our nerve. And I don't know if you were going through as we were reading it, if you picked up what was going on. Jesus is telling a story in which there is a deliberate contrast in the story between the judge in the story and God. And between us and the widow, and perhaps for some of us between what we think of prayer and what prayer is really about. And we're gonna think about those three things to help us keep the nerve. And as we go through, there's this verse that I'm gonna keep on the screen, which is a great summary of this passage. It's not from this passage, but this summarizes in a sense what Jesus is trying to say. When he says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Keep your nerve. So let's jump in. Why keep praying? Well, we can keep praying, firstly, because God is more willing and more able than the judge in this story. I don't know if you picked up what kind of person this judge was as we were reading. Verse four, we get an idea, we get a glimpse because the widow comes to him begging for help. And him being the town judge has to deal with it. But verse four, for some time he refused. There's a hesitation in this judge. He frankly doesn't want to get involved with this widow's issues. And for some of us, we can view prayer a bit like that as though God is this distant God that frankly doesn't want anything to do with us, but if we pray in a certain way, then maybe, just maybe, we can twist his arm to do finally what we want. If we use the right sort of words, then maybe we can convince him. Or if we pray a certain amount of times, he's got this tick list, and if we get to 10, boom, there we go. Behind all that being a view that somehow God is hesitant in his approach to us. As though there's a delay. Compare that to verse eight where Jesus says, I tell you, God will see that they get justice and quickly. There's no hesitation here. God is willing and able, unlike this judge. If you were at the prayer gathering on Monday night, we had a great time pouring out our hearts to God and, and we reflected on a great, um, uh, great uh, quote from a guy called E.M. Bounds. E.M. Bounds wrote a famous book on prayer years ago, years ago. It's kind of antiquated language in some respects. But he likens prayer to bell ringing, you know, where you pull the bell and up there somewhere it dingle dangles, if that's the technical words. And he says these words, beautifully put, prayer, pulls the rope below 
and the great bell rings above in the ears of God. Some people scarcely stir the bell for they pray so languidly. Others give but an occasional pull at the rope. But the person who wins with heaven is the person who grasps the rope boldly and pulls continually with all their might. Reader, he says, do you know how to handle the bell rope? To pull it vigorously and constantly. We know some people that do. And this beautiful phrase, he says, hell trembles when they seize the rope. For some of us, we have the view that God is somehow willing And yet God is so willing, so able, not hesitant. So ring that bell. But there's another contrast between God and the judge. Verse five gives a glimpse as to why the judge actually answers the widow. And there was a bit of giggles as we we read it. It's brilliant, verse five. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. You've got this vision of this judge cowering about this mad woman that's gonna beat him. And so, all right, I'll give in, just do whatever, please go away. Stop bothering me. That judge acts out of pure selfishness. I want an easy life. All right, have what you want, go for it. Contrast that again with what Jesus says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? In contrast to the judge, will not God do this? If the unjust judge will give in, well, God in contrast will freely give. As one author says, God delights in our sloppy, meandering prayers. Don't try to get prayer right. Just tell God where you are and what's on your mind. That's what children do. They come as they are, runny noses and all. God is willing. He is able. And in this Try Praying series, our heart is that we would be people who pray ourselves and also help others and invite others. That's why we've given these little cards for you to invite them along, to come along to church so that we can kind of engage and maybe encourage people to pray who've never prayed before. Ultimately, so they might see that God is for them. This reality about God being willing and able was brought home to me uh, in two relatively recent stories with some friends of mine. The first one's slightly humorous and the second one is much more serious. First one, some friends of ours bought a house and they needed a lawnmower and had no money for a lawnmower. (laughs) And they were Christians and so they didn't know what to do. And so in a moment of madness, they prayed saying, God, we need a lawnmower but we have no money for it. And within a week, Someone had given them a financial gift enough for the lawnmower they were trying to buy. And I remember chatting with them about this and they said to me, Tim, we have no idea what to do with that theologically. We see world poverty all around the planet and yet we get a lawnmower. I have no idea. Was that God? Was it not? Was it coincidence? Who knows? Whatever. But what it did do for them was gave them a glimpse that maybe, just maybe, God was really interested in their life, in who they really were. 
Yes, there's big questions, but it made them pray more. Not for stuff, but because maybe just maybe God really is for them. The second story was, in a sense, much more serious. A friend of mine who was going through some great difficulties and ended up in hospital. And in the hospital bed, he knew he was desperate and needed help. And he'd kind of grown up in a school context where he was taught that he could pray if he prayed through a certain priest or guru or whatever it may be. And so he wheeled himself down to the chapel in the hospital, hoping to find somebody that he could kind of pray through, as it were. And he got into the chapel and nobody was there, and so he sat there just waiting, and then suddenly he heard what he thought was an audible voice, in which this voice said to him, you don't need to pray through anyone, just talk to me. And with that he thought, yeah, I don't need to pray through somebody. I'll just talk to God. And so he talked to God and tears began to come down his face as he realized where his life was at and it utterly that moment transformed his life. And he now is full on for Jesus, changed life, doing amazing things. Why? Because he realized he could just talk with God as a friend talks to a friend. God is willing, God is able. We don't need to twist his arm. And for some of us, we've grown up in a system where we, we've kind of believed that, that the fault is with us and if we don't get what we want, we need to pray a slightly different way or pray slightly kind of in more numbers or, or, or more passionately or, or, or we're not using the right liturgical form or whatever it may be. No, says Jesus. God is willing, God is able. Come and talk. So that's the first reason we can keep our nerve because God's willing. But there's a second contrast, not just between the judge and us, the judge and God, sorry, but between the widow and us. Did you get a picture of the widow? She is desperate. And in that culture in those days, widows, if they didn't have a male relation that was going to bail them out, were basically ignored and were destitute. If they didn't have a a son or or some sort of brother or family male member who would look after them financially, they were destitute, ignored, and this one is obviously being abused and being treated awfully. She does not know where to go. And in reference to that, then we see this judge who quotes verse 2, neither feared God nor cared what people think. So as a desperate widow, but not cared for. And I guess for some of us, that is our heart's attitude towards God. We technically might know that he's willing to hear our prayers. We technically might know that we can talk to him, but he doesn't really care about me, us, my issues. And for some of us right now, this is very real, that you are going through things that are unbearable and are breaking you. And to be honest, you wonder whether God really does care. And frankly, he feels a bit like that judge. Just doesn't want anything to do with it, really. But look at verse 7. When Jesus, in contrast, says, And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? What a sign of affection and love. In verse 8, I tell you, he'll see they get justice and quickly. In verse 7, will he keep putting them off? 
No. And it reminded me of a great story you may have heard before about the American Civil War and Abraham Lincoln. There was a soldier that was being called to do his duty to fight in the American Civil War. But he was terrified because he looked after his elderly parents who were very unwell. And he knew that if he went off to the war, the future for his parents was very uncertain. And so he went to try and speak bravely with the president. So he turned up at the White House or whatever and tried to get in. Of course, he wasn't allowed in. And so there he was, destitute, outside the president's house, sat, desolate. When suddenly a young man comes by and asks him what the matter, he sees his pain and asks what's the matter. And the soldier explains his situation and his fears for the future. And the young man says, come with me. And with that, they proceed to go right on into the house, past the guards, through the doors, right on into the office, where at the desk is sat President Abraham Lincoln. And the president says, what can I do for you, Todd? To the young man. Dad, this man is a soldier. He's got a serious problem and he needs your help. We are cared for and we have access to God because his son takes us there. That's why the Lord's Prayer begins with our Father. Father. You are cared for beyond your wildest dreams. Any parent will tell you the joy it gives them giving gifts to their children and seeing the buzz as they crack open that present and the joy that gives parents such deep, profound pleasure. Father, God delights in giving good gifts. So can I encourage you, particularly if you have wondered whether God really does care, God cares more than you dare imagine. Deeply for you. God knows and hears your prayers and he is willing to answer. So there's a contrast between the judge and God. There's a contrast between us and the widow. But thirdly, there is a contrast between a kind of common view of prayer and I think what biblical prayer is. Because prayer is far more important than just asking for help. Verse one gives a context to the the story that Jesus tells. Why is Jesus telling this story? Verse one says, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. It's about endurance. And then the last verse, did you catch it? Jesus says, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Because if you read slightly wider in Luke's gospel, what is happening is Jesus is talking about those who will follow him and keep on following him, even if life throws all of it against him. Or will they go back to their old religious systems or their own identity or whatever it is? And Jesus is saying the way to keep going with Jesus, even if you're under unbearable pressure, is to keep on praying. Prayer is not just about a list of things I want. Prayer is about a relationship of walking with your Father. As Paul Miller says, prayer is leaning in the direction of God. And you notice what that prayer looks like then? 
Verse seven says so profoundly, will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? This is not about the right words. These prayers, the kind of prayer that helps us to keep on going is not very beautifully sounded prayers. They are the gutsy cry in the middle of the night that says, God, I've got nothing here. You've got to do something. And my guess is there are people in the room right now who, for whom your prayers have stopped because it's too painful. You're so desperate, you're so scared, and your prayers have now become cries. And I want to encourage you, maybe, just maybe, this morning the Lord says to you, now you're praying. That's prayer. Because when you get to the end and you realize only God can do anything now, that's faith. That's faith. And as you pour out your heart to him with nothing more of your own strength, that's prayer. I was listening to a song the other day, you'll have heard it, the Ellie Goulding track that's in the charts at the moment, with the beautiful line, when I'm with you, I'm standing with an army. That's prayer. When you get to the edge and you just say, God, I've got nothing. You've got to do something. It's at that moment as if you're standing with an army and you hear the roar from heaven saying, we are with you. Keep going. One foot in front of the other. Keep on enduring. That's faith. And you know what? That's the kind of faith that our society is longing to see. That isn't about what I get out of it. We live in a society, we're all interested in ourselves. But the kind of faith that says, God, I'm clinging to you because I've got nothing. I'm not gonna bail because you're all I have. That's what our society needs to see. That makes God look beautiful and glorious. Because it's all about him. One author, Richard Cokin, says this about prayer. We like to think of prayer as our personal Aladdin's lamp by which we summon the divine genie to do our bidding. Get me success, get me a partner, get me health, and be quick about it. We love the books and speakers that tell us that God just loves to hear all our problems and grant all our desires. And when he doesn't, we become cynical about prayer and about God. But Jesus teaches us, he says, that before we can know what to ask for ourselves, we need to know what to ask for him. For when we think about his reputation, his rule, his plans, it will change what we then ask for ourselves. And my guess for some of us, our view of prayer this morning has had our eyes lifted away from us and to him the one who deeply, deeply cares for us, the one who is powerful beyond any human judge, and yet the one who has good plans and is standing with an army right next to us. May we therefore be people who keep our nerve and keep on praying. Father, we thank you that you love us. Thank you that you are for us. And we simply pray, Lord, that you would help us to be people who pray 
people who are honest with you and people who keep on trusting.